Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Workplace MVP. Workplace MVP is brought to you by R3 Continuum, a global leader in workplace behavioral health, crisis, and security solutions. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gassman. Hello, everyone. Your host, Jamie Gassman here, and welcome to this episode of Workplace MVP. Across our country, we have an amazing pool of employees with skills and expertise that can enhance any workplace. As we continue to experience employee shortages, employers are having to get creative and strategic on how they recruit for their open positions. One area is to look into organization could hire military veterans and servicemen and women. Your company could be a life-changing opportunity for a veteran or a member of our military, particularly if they are in a transition from military life to civilian life. Many organizations have leveraged this talent pool of prospective employees and seen great success in doing so. So how can your organization take advantage of this candidate pool? What might be involved with hiring a military veteran or serviceman or women? And where do you start in building a hiring program that supports this group of employee candidates? Well, joining us today to share his passion and expertise around hiring military veterans and servicemen and women is Workplace MVP and Talent Acquisition Manager for Nuss Trucking, Josh Rock. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, Jamie. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we start off the show today with you sharing with us your background and how you got into talent acquisition? Well, that's a long and interesting story. I won't bore your audience with the full details, but we'll give you the, the shorter version. Uh, I joined NUS Truck and Equipment uh, February of this year, so I haven't been here that long. Um, prior to that, I was in the healthcare sector working with some of Minnesota's largest regional healthcare organizations as a recruiter. Um, but prior to that, where the base of my uh, career started, I was in advertising, mainly recruitment advertising, for about 16 years, um, helping companies from small businesses to enterprise-level organizations find great ways to engage the candidate base across the country and across the globe. Um, but before that, started in college, went to the University of Minnesota Duluth, go Bulldogs, by the way, um, big hockey fan, um, where I studied constitutional law, of all things. So how does a con law guy go into advertising and find his way into HR. It's it's an interesting story, but uh, hey, nonetheless, I'm here today helping this great organization find uh, and retain great talent. That is amazing. You know, it's common. I, you know, I talk to a lot of HR leaders, a lot of, you know, um, you know, HR professionals that have interesting stories, very similar to that, how you just kind of fall into this type of work, which is just amazing. And, and, Fascinating, you know, all in itself that how, you know, you get from one place to another and now it's become like a really amazing passion and, and an opportunity for you to, to, to thrive. So tell us a little bit about Nuss Trucking and, you know, how you got to that organization and what you, you know, what are they, you do a lot of military um, hiring. Tell us a little bit about the background of the company. Yeah. So Nuss Truck started in uh, 1959 in uh, around the Rockford, Illinois area, where it was a Mac Volvo or a Mac uh, service dealership um, run by uh, our current CEO's father. Uh, Bob Nuss then took it over in 1973, took over for his dad and then, uh, you know, relocated the, the dealership and organization to Rochester, Minnesota in 1979. 
From there, it's grown into what will be our nine dealerships here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, We are opening up our ninth in Monticello, Minnesota here in January. Um, We have roughly, we'll have about 400 employees uh, around the end of this year. Um, How I got here, uh, the director of HR, Joe Spire, uh, joined the organization in 2018, uh, where he had a long tenured career with Burlington Northern Railroad prior to that. Um, And he was a client of mine. He, you know, I helped him find success and, you know, finding great talent across his region through the advertising tools that I was um, selling. And we became great friends. I became a trusted advisor to him, uh, ended up going to his wedding and seeing, you know, him raising his three kids. And he came to me uh, about a year and a half ago and said, hey, you know, um, I'm interested in making some changes here. Would you consider joining us and bringing, you know, that energy and excitement that you bring to recruitment to our organization? And uh, in February, uh, we made it happen. Um, it was hard to leave my old organization. I love, you know, uh, the healthcare space, but through the the uh, work, the load, the stress of dealing with COVID, like many of us have had, um, it was time to make a shift. And now I get to focus on a much smaller area of recruiting um, where I get to do it well. Um, and I get to help, uh, you know, drive another industry forward. Uh, I get to travel more. I get to engage students more, uh, which are all elements that I thrive on and enjoy as part of my work. So, um, you know, great uh, combination of different elements have brought us to where we are today. Awesome. Um, real quick. So now the recruiting that you're doing at Nest Trucking isn't just specific to military vets. Have but have they always had a program focused around that? Or is that something that you brought with you from your experience in other organizations? So in other places that I've recruited, um, military has you know usually been a common place. When you're in, in healthcare, you're going to find a lot of uh, military folks that have the medical training um, that could use it in the you know, public se- sector uh, or private, depending upon what you know, arena you're in. Um, but for me... Um, how it came together, you know, or where I kind of picked it up here at Nuss is that Joe, when he came here, he recognized that, you know, Bob Nuss had long-term served, you know, the U.S. Army uh, in the Guard. And, you know, we find that, you know, some common threads in the, in the candidates that were not only already working in our organization, but in that we're applying. And so we focused on that. Um, Joe started putting together some framework regarding how we're going to attract uh, current servicemen and women and our retired veterans um, to come work for us and started to really focus on that. Visiting uh, military bases across the country, um, looking at um, those that are, are at our specialty schools, technical schools, and, you know, use that as a priority point for us to hire. Then um, looking at um, the nuts's connection to the White House at the time under the Trump administration um, and the Department of Labor, uh, I know we'll talk about this um, later on, but the Department of Labor's Hire Vets program, uh, Joe decided to make that a big component to uh, our efforts and help us get recognized by the Department of Labor for those um, through their criteria um, and made it a, a focal point for us. That's wonderful. And I know from conversations that I've had with you, you know, here and obviously at the, the SHRM conference as well earlier this year, you're quite passionate about hiring military veterans. You speak very positively about it. You can tell it's a really, you know, core focus for you. I think I, I, I see it as both like 
personally and professionally. So tell me a little bit of what's driving that passion. What excites you about connecting with uh, the military, the vets and, and active service men and women about the opportunities that you have available for them? Sure, Jamie. You know, where that really comes from for me is uh, it's a parallel to what I was doing in healthcare. You know, in, in that healthcare arena, it was finding people who not only just wanted to help people, which is the line you heard all the time, but had a genuine passion for it. Um, in healthcare, it's not only the work, it's the reward of seeing those who come in at their very worst and feeling better when they leave. It's, it's that same kind of um, reward, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, but here in, in trucking, you don't get that. You're getting a truck back on the road. So you, if for me, I need to find that fulfillment in another capacity. And so I was able to grab onto that military hiring emphasis and, and bring that energy to that sector, that group. Um, and so now, you know, while I'm looking at our military, you know, uh, veterans and servicemen and women to join us here at NUS, I make that my, my focal point. I get to, you know, talk to them about where are they going? Where are they coming from? How they can now be successful as a civilian here with our organization um, with little effort um, and little, you know, stress about um, joining that world. Because it is completely different being mm-hmm. in, in military and going into civilian, um, you know, and re-engaging and re-interacting and re-entering those worlds. And so how do I, as a uh, HR professional, as a recruiter, make that easier for them uh, whether they join me or not, uh, hopefully they come to us at NUS. But if they don't, um, I can do little things here and there, resume advice, um, network connections, et cetera, and help them uh, steer that civilian career forward. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the career direction and some of the, the those shifts from being you know a military lifestyle to a civilian lifestyle, uh, both you know in a professional sense. But looking at vets and servicemen and women, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills that they're learning on the job and experience that they're having from the types of work that they're asked to do, whether, you know, you've got a combat engineer who's building roads, who's never done construction in their personal life, now has the skills for how to build a road through the work they did as, you know, a military um, soldier. So talk to me a little bit about some of that, that can be missed sometimes, you know, when an employer is looking at maybe just a college degree or, you know, certain skills, how, you know, what are some of those skills and experience that you have found in the work that maybe you've done in the healthcare sector and now in this trucking sector that, you know, are beneficial to workplaces that, you know, employers really should be taking notice of. Yeah, great, great points there, Jamie. Um, you know, obviously, when I'm looking at healthcare, it's going to be a little bit different because they, you know, they're going to have to have some um, medical aptitude. Um, here in in trucking and transportation, um, one of the differences that um, you know we look at is what what structure, you know, what uh, capabilities do they have that will align? I mean, I'm talking to infantrymen who are not mechanics, do not have de- formal diesel training, but when they're out in the middle of Kuwait or Mogadishu, wherever they may be stationed, Germany, um, like, you know, you, you told me about your dad. Um, when they're out, they have to actually repair and work on their own vehicles. There, there isn't going to be a diesel tech in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the mountains of, of Afghanistan to fix when their Humvee breaks down. So they have to have the general aptitude to be able to fix that and get them running again to wherever they're going. Um, and so I'm able to 
ask and knowing about those roles um, through my own research prior to be able to pull those pieces out and find a thread that will make them successful, at least to start in our roles. And then we'll provide them the additional training and expertise for them really to stand out and grow what is a job into a passionate career um, as a diesel tech or parts coordinator, et cetera, um, here in the civilian world. Yeah, that's amazing. Finding, you know, certain things or experiences, you know, can go a long way in, in helping them to understand how they can grow. That's, that's great. So talking about, you know, the challenges that the military vets and active soldiers might have when they're looking for work in a career direction. And you kind of mentioned that. And we, I know we talked a little bit before that, where, you know, in the military, it's, it's, you really know, kind of the, the org structure, if you will, and exactly what your next move is. And if you're willing to take it and go through some of the additional, you know, training or um, education that the military is asking for, you can get that promotion. Talk to me about like, how that shift to kind of that civilian world can be difficult when they're looking at a career path. You know, where a lot of the the difficulty lies is the understanding. You know, the recruiters, the hiring leaders, um, the corporate folks, not understanding what the military occupational codes are. You know, where, how does that align with our civilian opportunities and then vice versa? How does a, you know, current, you know, or a retiring service uh, person correlate their job titles or duties to what a company is looking for. Um, and so I, perfect example, just Wednesday of this week, I was at the Minnesota Veterans uh, Career Fair in Brooklyn Center. And I had people stopping by who had no background in trucking or diesel mechanics, etc. And they were able to provide me resumes and I can look through their job history and find little segments and say, okay, based on what I see here, here are some opportunities that we can look at. Because um, so often, whether it's military or not, one of the, the easiest things people hinge on is they look at job titles. We got to stop doing that. Um, and so by me being an employer of choice saying, hey, let's look at the job duties you've enjoyed doing or some things that, you're, that you know well, start your search that direction. Um, you know, and, and as a recruiter, when I'm looking at, you know, current uh, or former military, looking at what they've done. And if I know the MOS codes and they listed on their resume, I do my research ahead of time and preparation ahead of time to be able to find where I can apply them differently. Um, and so knowing these things, um, having to learn them on my own, I have no problem contributing to the benefit of, of either side. And saying, hey, here's some resources, here are some tools uh, to bridge those gaps. Because realistically, the only difference between the recruiter or hiring leader and the candidate is one has the job and one's looking. They're virtually the same thing. Um, so why do we have to make it so hard? Can we find a way to make it easier? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned like on their resume, you know, understanding, you know, that military words, a world. So like if somebody were a career military, they, they joined right out of high school um, and they made it all the way up to, you know, an NCO, yep. you know, I grew up military. I know I've shared that on other shows, um, that we've had, I understand what that means, but a lot of people don't know what that means. I'm yep. guessing, um, or how that, how that correlates back to a position. Um, and so, you know, how can an employer, and I know we're going to touch on some of the tools and resources, 
but it does take getting to understand some of that world when you're building a program like this, you know, or looking and considering a military candidate, looking up what does NCO stand for, you know, a non-commissioned officer. So it's like they're in a leadership role, but does somebody know that? And have you run into that with some of your candidates where do you help them with that on their resume? Like how can they spell that out or help a, a hiring manager as well? Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things that I've done, and I, I hope that um, those that are listening to the show have done, and if not, feel free, make sure you do this as a, a, a crucial addition to your goal list here coming up is connect with a veterans employment rep in your area. Because these people are, they're trained to be resources, not only for, you know, in, or interacting and engaging with uh, the um, military folks that they're working with, but just giving you the correlation, giving you the tools, um, providing you information to make those things easier. Um, And I've done that many times. In fact, I was actually um, emailing back and forth with one of my vet reps here in Minnesota about my job opportunities. I send him a laundry list of our, uh, our openings so that he can spread them out via email to all of his, not only coworkers, but his, uh, um, his cases, all of the, the candidates that he's working with. These people are paid to work with you. So use them. Um, if you don't know who they are, um, reach out to me if you want to after the show, and I will help find where they might be in the area near you through the fo- folks that I'm connected to um, and help bridge that gap because there shouldn't be any reason why we're not um, engaging, interacting with these, uh, these vet reps who are being that conduit between these audiences. Um, so that's, that's an easy point uh, is to make a connection there. Um, you know, looking at other ways of doing that, um, you know, sitting down and talking, volunteering your time. Um, you know, when you, if you can find these groups sitting down and, and provide aside from doing interviews, cause that's the easy part. We do that all day, sit down with a vet and go over their resume and coach them about what we as recruiters or hiring leaders look for. Um, at that same job fair on Wednesday, I sat down with a gentleman named Jeremy. He, uh, is in human resources personnel. And he's looking at uh, an HR business partner role or an HR manager role, but doesn't know how to make the connections in the civilian world. You know, what things should he highlight in his resume? And I took 10 minutes out of my time just to sit down and, and chat with him about, hey, you know what? I don't have any HR openings, but here are some things that as a hiring leader, as an HR manager, I would be looking for on your resume. Why not volunteer a little time? You know, yeah. give back. It's good karma. Yeah, it's very good karma. Karma, and I, I love that idea of like almost kind of a on 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 demand mentor, if you will, <laughs> for them looking for the for work. So, looking at the employer side of it, you know, there is benefits to hiring somebody with a military background and or somebody who maybe is in an active, um, you know, whether they're a reservist or uh, a national guardsman. What are some of the benefits that you found from working um, with with vets that they've brought to the organization? Well, there's a laundry list. Um, you know, some of the easiest ones that 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 I can just rattle off that we all should be able to as leaders is uh, leadership. These folks not only understand the chain of command, but they've been trained on how to lead others. Um, every year, every week, every month, somebody's coming behind them that needs training that they've been given. Um, mentorship, um, et cetera, about whatever field or practice that they're in. So they've had to do that. Um, that is deeply utilized in any organization because 
nobody, no organizations is, is just stagnant. People are retiring, new people are coming in. And these folks are trained to be leaders automatically, whether they were in leadership formally or not. Um, and so why not utilize that skill? Um, one of the biggest things for us here at NUS is that um, these same military personnel, they're used to working all shifts. They don't get to decide, I'm only a first shift instrument. That doesn't happen. Um, I'm only a first shift officer. That doesn't happen. They work around the clock. And so if you have needs that fit non-optimal schedules for, you know, the easier, you know, you know, civilian folk, then look at these military personnel who, who've had to work all shifts, understand what it's like and may not mind doing that versus others. Um, that's the first thing that I look at. I mean, when I was talking to a gentleman earlier uh, this week, you know, coming out of the military, looking for a new job, I said, you know, what are you looking at shift wise? He goes, I'll work any shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simple. You know, meanwhile, I'm, I'm looking at students that are at the local technical college and they're, I only want to work for a shift. Why? Um, well, somebody, you know, my, my girlfriend, my, my significant other is working for a shift and these people don't care. They just want to work. Mm-hmm. They want to earn a paycheck. They want to enjoy life just like everybody else, but they're not set on whatever that is because they're used to working all shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're more of a utility player, which is fantastic. They're driven. They're driven to succeed. Um, they're not numbers based. Oftentimes they're committed to it. There's a service level of commitment that they hold higher than anybody else. Um, those are just a few. Uh, there's many more where that came from. Um, but I, I've never found any of the military that I've ever hired or interacted with that really had any negatives. Um, they're, they, they pass drug tests. That's out of the way. They pass background checks. That's out of the way. I mean, so all of these things that we run into with our standard civilian candidate pool they automatically clear those gates because they've had to b- mm-hmm. being through the military. Yeah, it's absolutely. Easier. Yeah. And they have really strong work ethics. And I think you're kind of alluding to that. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of the times the role that they're playing, you know, there's lives on the line, whether it's theirs or their, their comrades. So it's, it's really important. So looking at, you know, obviously there's a, you, you know, to your point, there's a laundry list of different benefits that, you know, a military personnel bring to a civilian job. What are some of the challenges that employers might experience, you know, with hiring a military vet or a serviceman and woman that are maybe active in a reserve status or a national sure. guard status? Sure. One is time, right? Because, you know, if they're in the guard, they're going to have to do their, you know, you know, weekends and their two weeks, you know, those, those times that they have to go off to camp and training and those types of things. Then you throw in deployments, um, you know, and as an employer, we have to work around those things and we have to be comfortable, um, knowledgeable and understanding about that and embrace um, that request, that time off that they're going to need. Um, not all, not all teams understand that. Not all leaders understand that. Um, and we need to give those folks the training and understanding um, so that way they embrace it as well. Um, here in HR, I get it. Um, you know, I understand the commitment that, you know, they're putting in. I understand the commitment their families are putting in. So why can't we do the same as an employer? Um, so that's one. Um, then we run into, you know, mental issues, PTSD, et cetera, um, providing the resources, making sure that they have the benefits available to them 
to be the best person that they can be and be the healthiest person that they can be. Um, so having those understandings, um, making sure leaders are aware um, within reason of things that they may have to encounter with working with various staff members um, and have the resources to support. Um, you know, and there's, there's countless others. Um, it's, it's just being able, being nimble, being flexible to what our employees, our new employees or tenured employees that may battle these things or have these issues pop up. Um, we're, we're ready and, and, and prepared to handle and work with them. Um, you know, one thing about working here at NUS, you know, versus other organizations I've been a part of is, is we look at our staff as family. And if somebody comes to us as an employee or a candidate and they're battling certain issues um, that our military or veterans may have, um, we treat them like family. We, we, we don't ship them off and, and say, go do this and go do that. And you fall under this criteria. That, no, treat them like the family you have at home. That's the best way to because they're going to keep coming back. They're not going to leave and go to somebody else. Um, you know, so think about that. How would you want somebody in your family to be? Um, when they're dealing with these things, um, do the same. Not every organization is going to, cause it's about ones and zeros. And so be it for those organizations, but somebody like us at NUS, this is something that we focus on. We make sure that we have the resources available to them. Um, so they can be successful. And through that, we as an organization can be equally as, as successful. That's wonderful. And kind of ties into my next question and talking about those situations where you do have a reservist or a national guard who is deploying yep. and you know, there's, you know, and, and I know I've talked about it on the show before and I probably mentioned it earlier too. you know, my, my brother himself is actually in Kuwait right now. And I know, you know, just through their, his stories and like through my other family member stories with these deployments, you know, there's this, you know, there's obviously time away from work prior to going where you're, you're kind of mobilizing and sometimes you're, you're at work and then you're out of work. And then you've got obviously the, the duration of time for the deployment. And then there's this time on the back end where you're re kind of engaging with your civilian life. And as an employer, how, you know, you kind of are hinting on it a little bit in your response to like what NUS does, but how can an employer help that employee help that family member you know, when they're going through that, you know, what are some things that they can prepare their work environment for that allow for them to be able to give that employee that support and flexibility they need during that time? You know, one of the things that we've done and I've seen with other organizations is they uh, they have a point person, um, you know, in the HR structure or leadership structure that um, those folks can go to as a resource. When they need to talk about time off needs, um, support needs, et cetera, um, it's not a roving, um, you know, support where they got to call in and they're going to get John and the next time they call in, they're going to get Mary and the next time. It, no, one person of contact. So they don't have to share the stories over and over and over again. I mean, we hear about the runarounds that people get through. Um, some of the um, medical support, you know, and VAs, et cetera, just because of the sheer volume that they deal with in, in our organizations, we can dedicate a, a person to be that point person for them as a resource. It's not, it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be a barrier. Um, so how do we make those things easier? Cause they've got enough things to deal with. Um, but then having uh, providing training, provide leadership training, provide staff training where needed, um, that when somebody's coming back or somebody's deploying, how are we going to support them? 
um, before and after, um, because that's, that's easy stuff for us to do. Uh, we provide, we're in HR, we provide trainings for tons of things. We provide policies for everything under the sun. So why can't we do the same here? Um, why can't we be proactive versus reactive? Um, so those are some of the easy ones. Um, you know, looking at uh, time off, making sure that your team is allocated for coverage, um, because you, obviously you have to save and, and retain that opening for when that person comes back, um, should they want to come back. Um, you know, make sure your your workforce is agile to those shifts. Um, make sure that they, you know, you've got a plan of attack when they when they leave. Um, who's going to cover projects that they were working on? Um, make sure the transition plans are already ready to go. So it's not a burden on the employee, but a burden on the organization. Um, it's a paradigm shift. Uh, these are easy things that we can do as employers to make that that change easier on both ends. Yeah. And I got to imagine communication's got to be key internally because exactly. I mean, obviously you're catering to the one employee in terms of the leave that they, you're, ob- you know, as an employer, you're obligated to give that time, you know, yep. and, and you want to, because, you know, they're, they're giving back to society. They're, they're protecting our country, all of those, those facets that come with being a part of the military. Um, but how does an employer with the other employees you know, how important is communication and how do they make sure they've got the proper communication channels with what they're able to share? You know, for us, it's, it's timeliness, right? It's um, being able to, you know, pull the trigger, so to speak, early on and saying, hey, we know this is coming. Um, you know, we, we know this person's, you know, deploying or they have this time off, you know, due to this um, and saying, here's what we're going to do. Uh, already have a, have a plan of action. Um, communicate to the staff, um, let them know that their, their best buddy in the stall next to them is, is deploying and how do we support them, um, communicating early and effectively. Um, again, providing them a resource to come back to us with concerns, needs, et cetera. How do we support, um, them as a whole? Cause again, I laugh because people think that HR is a bunch of robots. No, we have human in our titles. So why can't we be human in each and everything that we do? Um, that's easy. Sometimes it's overlooked. Sometimes it's overthought. Um, so address the humans, not the policy. Yeah, great. It's a great point to uh, take a moment to hear from our show sponsor. So Workplace MVP is sponsored by R3 Continuum. R3 Continuum is a global leader in providing expert, reliable, responsive, and tailored behavioral health, disruption, and violence solutions to promote workplace well-being and performance in the face of an ever-changing and often unpredictable world. You can learn more about how R3 Continuum can tailor a solution for your organization's unique challenges by visiting r3c.com today. So, you know, you've obviously kind of worked in having, you know, these programs in places and navigating some of the the benefits and some of the challenges, and you've seen some learnings over your years of hiring military vets and servicemen and men and women. Can you share some of those key learnings with our our audience? Uh, Key learnings. Um, You know, for me, obviously, I... didn't do a ton of, of military hiring, you know, before coming to us, it wasn't nearly as prominent, you know, in the healthcare space, it was, you know, focusing on backgrounds in care providing and those that were passionate in uh, particular sectors, whether it was oncology or transplant or emergency. And so it was getting into here and learning kind of where things were coming from 
and how could we leverage it going forward? And, you know, for me, it's always been about giving back. Um, and so when you look at how much our veterans have given and our servicemen and women are giving now, um, why can't I do the same? And so um, since joining us, I make sure that I'm available to these vet reps across the state. Um, you know, I connect with the veteran employment uh, personnel at these different technical schools that I'm going to. So that way, if I'm not talking necessarily about what we're doing here at NUS, I can at least provide them the resources about what other recruiters or other HRs across the country are looking for and how to make those connections, um, making my network available, um, you know, promoting things like job hunt chat that I've been doing every Monday for the last 11 years, um, talking about job seeking advice, just giving resources. Um, I can't solve the world's problems. I know that. I know these servicemen and women can't solve the world's problems just on their own. Um, so, but what we can do is provide the resources um, provide the expertise, the knowledge to bridge those gaps. Um, and if it lands them here, fantastic. If it lands them with one of my partners, one of my friends, even better. Um, because again, we all, not just me, but them as well, are working to provide for our families. So why not? I mean, let's let's make this easier. Um, and so I've you know dug in, you know, got to get my learn on, gave up my time. Um, to these folks um, and other employers to help bridge those those connections, that knowledge base, um, because it is important. Um, these these folks have given a lot of their life uh, on our behalf, and small incremental you know additions out of my schedule can make such a huge difference, um, whether they join me or somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, and and the work you've been doing and the work that NUS has been doing has you know, paid off, you know, in hiring military vets and servicemen and women, because you are award-winning through the Department of Labor. I know you've mentioned that earlier in the show, a little tiny sneak peek at, you know, the veteran programs that they um, recognize um, employers who have outstanding programs with. Can you talk a little bit about that award that you've won? Definitely. Um, You know, one thing, since we hire from across the country, um, we focused on um, one of the programs that uh, Joe was aware of, which is the Department of Labor's Hire Vets program. Um, That program is available to anyone across the any employer across the country. Um, They have criteria, things like uh, percentage of new hires um, that are veterans, um, percentage of veterans that are retained over a 12 month period. Um, programs to hire those folks, training to um, your HR team regarding hiring of veterans, um, tuition assistance, um, you know, agreements and and availability of programs and and such for those folks once they do join your organization. So there's this, you know, and it's not long. I think there's nine qualifying points um, to become uh, hire vets uh, medallion um, eligible. And then, um, you know, there's different gates, whether you're a small employer, medium employer, large employer. Um, and then obviously, you know, just like any other, you know, submission program, there are deadlines. And so, you know, we make sure that we, you know, um, strive to hit our numbers in our qualifying points each and every year. Um, and for us at NUS, we've been uh, lucky to uh, be awarded the gold medal um, here uh, the la- in 2019 and 2020. Um, we are the only trucking dealership in the U.S. to receive that award. Um, we welcome anybody else to join us. Obviously, um, it's not something that we want solely exclusive. Uh, although we'll 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 carry that badge for now. Um, 
I, I believe uh, by when when this podcast is released, I believe the Department of Labor will announce the 2021 award, uh, which I think we're up for maybe a platinum, but more likely the gold. But we're eager to find out either way where that comes from. Um, and if somebody's not necessarily up for the, the national DOL version, um, I highly encourage you look at the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon uh, programs in your own region, in your own state. Um, completely different criteria um, to get into that program um, and be recognized uh, for. Um, usually what they those that program starts with is connecting with a veterans rep in your region and starting to build your plan portfolio as to how you're going to hire, retain, and engage um, veterans, current service men and women, and their families. Because it's not just uh, the soldiers themselves. It's their families that are also included in that program. Um, so definitely take a look at uh, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon uh, or Yellow Ribbon Company um, programs in your state or your region and look at that. Uh, it's another way to get yet deeper involved in hiring uh, those folks and their families. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, for business leaders hearing this podcast and going, wow, I, you know, thought about it, <clears throat> you know, I've hired a few few vets or maybe want to build like a more robust, like focused recruiting program around it. What are some of the recommendations for where they can go for tools and resources that can help them to, to put that structure together? Great question, Jamie. So um, for the Department of Labor, you just literally go to the Department of Labor or Google Hire Vets, and all the information is right there on their page. It, I've, I've got a sheet right in front of me talking to me about the criteria. It's really simple. Um, tells me the timelines of when things need to be submitted. Uh, shows me the costs. You know, it, it shouldn't be about that, um, you know, the, the financial impact, but it's going to give you, you know, dividends and spades, but it's there because finance is going to wonder about it. Um, but everything's right there. Super easy, very simple to do. Uh, the Department of Labor has made it really easy to submit on a regular basis. Uh, the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon program um, here in Minnesota, um, it's a little bit more extensive. Uh, the plan is a little bit more robust. Uh, because it does include more than just the soldiers themselves. Um, but if you don't get that recognition, um, the organization actually has put out a number of key areas for companies to plan around, a, you know, instead of things like um, focusing on training policies and procedures, how can you help um, the servicemen, women, and their families um, training and development, community outreach. I mean, we all should be reaching out. We all should be giving back. Um, and so talking about those things, joining committees, uh, recognizing those folks, um, being a part of events in your community when those people are deployed and their families are here, supporting them while they're gone. I'll, you know, there are a number of employees in your organization that have family members who are serving. So how can we support them? And so they give you these tools readily on their website to make that easier. Um, Oftentimes we get so focused on what's in front of us that we don't think of the easy things on the sides. Take five minutes out. Look at what could you do tomorrow? What could you do next month that you haven't put into play right now? Great advice. And <clears throat> obviously looking at the great work that you've done and building your recruiting program at NUS, you know, what is what are some of the key accomplishments that you would say you are most proud of and why? Well, one of the biggest ones that I talk about um, is when I'm, I'm standing in front of a vet rep or uh, I'm out at a military base and they say, well, how many, uh, how many servicemen do you have uh, working for you? I can proudly say we have 11% of our staff that has either served or is serving. 
Um, that's huge. I mean, we're, we're an employee base of, you know, like I said, we'll be at 400 by the end of the year, 11%. That's a large demographic in our organization that has given their time, talents, uh, and their life to serving us. Um, and we're proud of it. Um, we just, uh, we're rolling out our red program, uh, you know, remembering everyone who's deployed. Um, every Friday here, um, we have our employees wear their red polos or their red hats to recognize and remember those who are gone, um, or who have and, um, show that support. And these are easy things to do. Um, I, I, you know, I, I've got a fairly large head, so I've got a nice fitted cap on delivery to me. I'm kind of excited to wear it on Fridays. Um, but you know, those are some great ways that we've done, uh, to recognize and, and support, um, and continue that effort to, you know, keep those 11%, if not more, working with us here at NUS. Yeah. And that's amazing because you're creating a community for them. And that is yeah. so important, you know, because they're coming from an environment, being in the military where that camaraderie and community is so important um, for both just the, the the military personnel and their families, you know, they both have, you know, that community of support. So that's amazing. And congrats on those stats. That's great. Um, yeah, I bet. I bet. And I bet you're excited for the Department of Labor to let you know, you know, where you where you stack up this year. <laughs> Are you going to yeah, be platinum I, I, or, you know or gold? Me, I'm competitive. I am yeah. really competitive <laughs> in everything that I do. Um, so I'm eager to, you know, get that. I was hoping that I would have had it before we recorded the show today. Um, so next week when it does come out, um, we'll be blowing it up on our social media channels. I'm going to be calling my vendors to build me new banners to, you know, talk about that new award. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I, and you know, me, I'm a big sports guy and you know, you can talk about back to back to back, whether it's the Chicago bulls winning the national championship back in, in the NBA or the, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning winning the back-to-back Stanley Cups. Well, we want to be back-to-back-to-back gold or back-to-back platinum. We want that status. We want to acknowledge our efforts and tout that in front of our our military personnel as to why they should come work for us here at NUS. Yeah. Wow. That is so fun, too. It's kind of like you've given yourself that that recognition that you, you want to showcase and show off and... That's fantastic. So if our listeners listening in are going, wow, that's some great information. I'd love to hear more. And they want to get a hold of you and hear a little bit more directly from you. How would you like them to get in touch with you? They can find me on just about every medium out there. Um, you can reach out to me by email. Uh, my email, jrock at nusgrp.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. My profile is out there just like everybody else's. Um, Josh Rock, pretty easy to find. Um, Twitter, Jamie, you know, I'm a big Twitter guy, so you can find me at jrock nine, six, uh, on Twitter. Um, you, if you want to talk job seeking advice, Monday nights, nine o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock central, you can check me out on job hunt chat, hashtag job hunt chat. Super easy. Any of those vehicles are great ways to connect with me. Uh, I am more than happy to pick up the line and have a conversation uh, most folks that know, uh, know me personally, know that if you, you know, creep on my LinkedIn profile, I am going to call you. It's just one of my many tactics of engagement. So, uh, feel free, reach out any way possible. And I'll be happy to have a conversation. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure to, to talk with you, especially about such an important topic and another, you know, opportunity for recruitment that some employers, you know, should be actively looking at. So thank you so much, Josh, for for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Love it.
Yeah. And we, uh, and for all of those, um, listening into the show, thank you for, for tuning in and to our show sponsor, R3 Continuum. Thank you for supporting workplace MVP podcast. Um, for those listening in, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at workplace MVP, and definitely make sure you subscribe to our show to get our most recent episodes and other resources. If you are a workplace MVP, or if you know someone who is, we want to know about you or them. So definitely email us at info at workplace-mvp.com. Thank you all for joining us and have a great rest of your day.